know, without a full-time kind of steady income, you know, w- wasn't able to um, borrow anyway. Um, so I dabbled in, you know, shares a little bit, you know, some wins, some losses. Um, but uh, yeah, when I started as an intern doctor, um, I knew I wanted to get into property investing. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with Daniel Lamp, a doctor and avid property investor from Sydney. While neither medicine nor property investing are embedded in his DNA, he shares what got him into both of these fields and how he works to strike the perfect work-life balance. Lamp works as a GP and is proud to help people from all walks of life when they need it most. However, he knows the importance of taking care of himself, including his financial health. In his free time, he's also combined his two passions to run meetup groups for doctors and healthcare professionals interested in property investing. So, very varied. Um, so, I currently split my time in between general practice and also working in emergency at the hospital. So, I guess in the general um, practice clinic setting, I see patients manage their chronic conditions, do preventative care, you know, check results, things like that. Whilst in the emergency department, um, usually it's more kind of acute or emergency type presentations, you know, patients come in with a problem and my role is to come up with a diagnosis and then also a management plan. You know, they might come in with heart attacks, strokes, infections, injuries that need stitching, mental health crisis, it's a real mix Um, and yeah, both my roles, I use my problem solving skills which I quite enjoy and it's great um, helping people, meeting people from all walks of life. He's keen to buck stereotypes starting with how he got into his profession. Coming from um, immigrant immigrant family background, um, you know, not particularly well off growing up. And um, I guess importance of education was distilled in me as well. Um, but in regards to medicine, um, unlike the stereotype, my parents didn't actually push me into medicine or anything like that. You know, I wanted to choose a degree, a career where um, there was, you know, science and academic as well, but then can also um, interact with people and make a real difference in their lives. Um, so, yeah, I applied for uh, medical school and um, was accepted. A Hong Kong native, Lamp came to Australia at three years old. While he and his family quickly found a place to call home, he found himself venturing north when it was time to spread his wings. Um, initially in Western Sydney and then later kind of in the northern suburbs, kind of Hornsby area of Sydney. Um, I went to high school in Balkham Hills High, um, which was a selective school. So, um, you know, being um, a heavy emphasis, I guess, on academics. Um, And yeah, I wanted to um, choose a uni degree where I could, um, I enjoyed science, but then I also wanted to, you know, have a real world application and impact on people. So, you know, applied widely for medicine and um, was accepted uh, I think for Western Sydney and also Newcastle, um, but um, yeah, I liked Newcastle's program and and it was a good lifestyle living there as well. Um, 
yeah, and enjoyed my time studying there. So I'm just curious now, do you know why your parents moved from Hong Kong to Australia when you were very young? So I think that was the around the time of the, I think, 1997 or so handover um, of Hong Kong uh, back to China. And I think that was part of the reason and also, I guess, wanting, um, you know, a better life um, like lots of immigrants um, in Australia was um, offering, yeah, opportunities, which I'm, I guess I'm grateful for. He grabbed all the opportunities he could with both hands, though like many young people, he temporarily lost sight of his goals. Luckily, a reminder came along at just the right time. It was uh, a bit of a trek to get to, I remember that. Um, but in terms of the environment, um, going to class, teachers, quite enjoyed it. I, one, one thing does stick out in mind is when I was in year 10, I remember being called to the deputy principal's office. And I was like, oh, you know, what, what have I done wrong? You know, my mind churning. And then I found out that I was um, in the bottom 10% of the cohort. And kind of, it was kind of like a wake-up call to try and, you know, <laughs> pull things together. And I did soon after that have the goal of wanting to study medicine. So I knew I had to try and, you know, so I implemented a plan, um, you know, consistent action, um, you know, lunch times, using that to study it as well. And ended up at the end of year 12, um, going from bottom 10 out of 200 to the top 10 out of 200. So that was a real treat, achievement and I was quite proud of that. While the moment in the principal's office gave him a nudge in the right direction, it wasn't what drove him to study medicine. I wouldn't say there was one particular incident or reason. Um, um, as I alluded before, you know, I quite enjoyed this, the science, all, all the sciences really. Um, but then I wanted something where, yeah, I guess a bit of real world application and kind of employable skills, um, you know, rather than I knew some people that had gone down the same medical science route and then hard to get employment after that as well. So there was that practical side of it. But also as well, I guess from my interactions um, with doctors um, growing up, you know, overall had quite positive um, influences and I guess that opened up my mind and I guess um, you know being a selective school as well you know there were some co colleagues that were interested um, in, in medicine as well you know other things I thought briefly about was like law and stuff like that but I'm, I'm glad I chose medicine over say law yeah and I, I'm really curious then after you finished high school did you go straight into studying into medicine at Newcastle University or did you take some time off to potentially um yeah travel and, and see the world or, or did you do any work or jobs or anything like that yeah so i guess medicine you can go either undergraduate route or the graduate route um the trend i think from what i hear nowadays is more unis are leaning towards the you know doing a undergrad degree then going to postgrad but at the time you know i went into newcastle which was um undergraduate five-year degree and yeah it was a good time you know learning the theory in lectures but then um, also, one of the highlights was the early clinical placements where you had, you know, could actually meet patients and see what you were learning being applied um, to them. And also, obviously, like, you know, other uni degrees, there's a lot of, you know, self-directed learning as well. Um, and yeah, it was good. But um, yeah, by the, towards the end of the five-year degree, I you know, couldn't wait to start, you know, working. He wasn't exempt from working hard while studying. 
and also capitalized on his skills early on. I did save up my money and, and towards the end, I knew I wanted to get into property investing. So, I knew I needed to start saving for a deposit. So, yeah, did a lot of um, casual jobs, um, retail um, and also um, had a, a two, uh, for a period of time a tutoring business as well, helping um, people mainly with maths and also to a medicine entry as well. While his jobs came in handy when it came to saving, they alone weren't enough to jump into property. Always a problem solver, Lamp had a solution or so he thought. You know, without a full-time kind of steady income, you know, w wasn't able to um, borrow anyway. Um, so, I dabbled in, you know, shares a little bit, you know, some wins, some losses. Um, but uh, yeah, when I started as an intern doctor, um, I knew I wanted to get into property investing. Basically, I did shares initially and, you know, I remember one share tripling, um, but then I had another, you know, I think it was a mining share that dropped 90% <laughs> so kind of balanced each other out I think um, by the end of it and um, yeah, you know scrolling through the share prices every day uh, you know I don't think it was particularly great use of time and I guess I, I did you know think ahead you know wanted to um, uh, improve my circumstances financially and I could see you know just saving by itself is important but you know needed to take the next step and you know invest in some assets as well and you know I could see lots of Australians you know believe in and love property as an asset asset vehicle so I did a lot of research um, and then later when I was an intern doctor you know attending some uh, uh, meetups uh, looking at forums such as property chat and you know listening to podcasts um, such as this one and you yeah, just getting all the information I can and then later ap applying it. Was there any particular book or anything that you, you, you stumbled across that kind of give you insight or was it just mainly the forums and listening to pop podcasts and talking to people at meetups? Yeah, I, I don't think there was one particular book. I do remember reading Rich Dad Poor Dad, you know, which I think a lot of people do and that you know got me just mindset-wise interested in, you know, in investing um, and also partly business as well rather than just being an employee um, but obviously that book doesn't directly apply to you know help you with buying property in Australia so yeah use a wide range of resources. His parents were in professional roles but not within property. Although property didn't run through his veins, the Lamp family has always worked hard. My parents um, you know have their own home but um, went I guess taught or particularly did property in investing. Um, so my dad, um, once he ha um, eventually did have to retrain, um, I, th I think he was initially in IT at the time. And my mum was an accountant, and um, in Sydney is a is a bookkeeper. His role has led to many opportunities to travel and work across Australia, both in cities and rural areas. He found venturing into the regions proved somewhat of a culture shock. So everyone after medical school has to do um, a junior years, you know, internship and then um, a resident um, before 
you know, potentially going into specialty training. But given there's so many juniors, doctors nowadays, usually people do a couple more years of, um, you know, junior unaccredited training before getting onto a training program. So back to, so I was a um, intern um, in Sydney. I worked in a variety of different, you know, roles and locations. You know, you do different terms rotating every, uh, I think, 10 to 12 weeks or so. Um, so I worked in, you know, very busy tertiary hospitals in Sydney, all the way to some rural locations, such as um, even, you know, outback, you know, Broken Hill in, um, in New South Wales, um, Griffith in the Murrumbidgee region, and also um, in Mount Isa, you know, in um, northern Queensland. Uh, with a, Yeah. So, you know, in the more rural locations, as there are less doctors, you know, there was an opportunity to kind of step up and upskill. Um, and at these smaller hospitals, you do see some really sick patients, but you have less resources available. So I do remember, you know, being part of the team trying to resuscitate some really unwell patients and then trying to coordinate with the Royal Flying Doctor Service to kind of retrieve them out to more major centres for more specialised care. During these stressful times, Lamp certainly felt challenged and ultimately took away many important life lessons. It was obviously challenging, but I guess, you know, the training kicks in, you know, do the basics, you know, go through a system of what you can do, what may be wrong with the patient, um, you know, examination, investigations, and then trying to figure out a management plan, you know, involving um, specialists or, or, or retrieval and, and things like that. So, yeah, it was a... It was a good learning experience with the staff I could see being a smaller team you know that everyone's knows everyone everyone by the first name and and can kind of work together as well mm, excellent so you've you've complete let's say you've, you've gone through how many years was that uh, to do your your internship I did um, three years I guess in the hospital system and then I then applied and was accepted into general practice training. Um, and that was another two years, yeah. Wow. So, that, let's say all up 10 years of your life has been pretty much up to training until you actually become a qualified GP. Is that correct to say? I've had some friends and colleagues who, um, you know, trying to get into um, other specialty training programs such as surgery or, um, you know, those ones instead of being um, general practice two years, those could be, you know, five, six plus years further. So, yeah. As with many people dedicated to their profession, Lamp has a specific reason he chose the path he did of becoming a GP. I could see in the hospital there's a lot of really unwell patients but some of the conditions, you know, could have been prevented by, um, you know, um, could be diabetes, high blood pressure, um, cholesterol, things like that. You know, kind of if seeing them towards the pointy end in emergency and in intensive care where, you know, you can try your best but you know, imagine if we could prevent that in the first place. So that kind of drew me towards general practice. Um, yeah, I'll be honest. I think, um, you know, with some of the highlight in the media as well, there's a lot of challenges in, in um, general practice and preventative healthcare in the system as well and politics, which I probably won't get into in this podcast. But um, yeah, I guess that's what drew me to that as well. And also, yeah, but I mean, partly as well in terms of, um, you know, I don't have to do... Um, night shifts you know in general practice and and things like that but you know from working in healthcare i can see that you know it's really you know not just the doctors working hard but also 
the nurses and the cleaners and especially in some of those smaller regions I worked in, I could see everyone kind of pulling in together to try and keep the health system going and, you know, providing the best possible care in challenging circumstances, yeah. Well, it's been really interesting. And then since then, you've been a GP all the way through? Yeah, so recently got, got my fellowship, but um, I'm still, um, yeah, working in, in the hospital in the emergency sometimes. Um, I, I enjoy that mix and also keeping up my skills as well. After receiving mixed results during his experience with shares, Lamp turned his eye to property towards the end of his university degree. I could see property allowed, you know, leverage can get steady cash flow from rental income and obviously, of course, capital growth. And also, I guess I found out that certain professionals can get into property with, you know, 10% deposit and not have to pay lenders mortgage insurance, you know, such as doctors, nurses, accountants. Um, so I could see some of the advantages with property. And I guess my mindset was that I need to be investing even from a early in the career because at the time I could remember I could see, you know, these doctors, you know, more advanced in the career around me, you know, so busy looking after patients, you know, doing overtime, doing night shifts, on core, working 60 up to 100 hours a week. You know, they had no time really to take care of their own physical health or also their financial health. So I could see, you know, just working and working for so many hours for decades on end, you know, was not going to be sustainable. Um, so, yeah, I guess, you know, after in, in my first year as a junior doctor, you know, I was 23 years old, you know, I had saved up um, a deposit and had done the research, you know, I didn't get any handouts from my parents. Um, yeah, my salary as a first year doctor was, you know, 60000 you know, and, and I had around, I think, $90,000 in savings. So I guess, you know, with 10% deposit, stamp duty, buy agent fees, solicitor fees, all in, I had to chip in, you know, 80000 which I remember at the time was so daunting. You know, I'd, I had watched, you know, my savings build up over time in the bank account. And then I remember feeling like sick in the stomach, you know, pretty much having to put all my life savings into this one investment property. Yeah. After growing up in Sydney, the Harbour City was Lance's first choice when it came to locations to invest in. However, the timing just wasn't right. But I could see that Sydney had just peaked and for my budget, I could see better value in another state. I could see that Brisbane um, was undervalued at the time and had good fundamentals. Um, I, I did use a buyer's agent for the first one because I, I guess I wanted someone to hold my hand for such a big investment decision, um, especially kind of... Um, first investment, you know, wanted to make the, the right choice. So bought in um, a suburb in the North Brisbane, um, you know, reasonably close to the city, had good amenities. Um, and, you know, at the time, you know, there was a, a piece of land in an infill suburb and then separately engaged a builder with a fixed price contract, built a, you know, for, you know standard four bedroom, two bath, double lockup garage, um, all in for about 560000 um, I, I did want to point that this is different to, you know, those house and land packages where, you know, like a marketer or spruker sells you the whole package in a very far-flung su suburb and they get a, you know, like a 20% markup. Um, you know, in general, I'm not a fan of house and land packages. Um, but back to this one, you know, the, 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 I guess in hindsight, the downside was that the land was not yet titled. You know, initially I was told, you know, only be, you know, two, three months, 
but it ended up taking almost a year for it to finally get registered, which was really frustrating at the time. Um, I, d- I guess one silver lining was that the market was still going up and I only had to pay interest on the land portion initially. Um, so, yeah, only had to pay stamp duty on the land um, and not like a house and land package where you pay the stamp duty on the full value. Um, there were hiccups along the way, um, which, you know, when friends and colleagues ask me about property investing, I tell them to expect hiccups. You know, it's not going to be just smooth sailing. So I guess in this case, the initial building plans submitted to council were declined, you know, as apparently it needed a specific um, distance between the back fence and the back of the house. So then, you know, back to the drawing board, you know, further delays, you know, paying more interest. Um, but in the end, you know, construction got started, you know, I got regular updates with pictures and it was very exciting, you know, once we got to the completion stage. Excellent. And how long did that take to complete the whole build from purchase to the end? I would say around a year um, all up um, and when it came out time to kind of trying to rent the property out um, at the time, it wasn't a hot rental market, um, you know, one prospective tenant um kind of wanted an extra aircon installed in the master bedroom and I guess negotiated and they were happy to pay $20 extra a week in rent if I put the aircon in. So I did and I guess this is a lesson in terms of trying to come up with win-win solutions for everyone. Yeah. He bought the property as a fixed price building contract and used a mortgage broker to organize the construction finance. When all was said and done, it was 2018 and time to start the process again. So I just sat on it while I continued my medical career um, and then later um, I did uh, buy my second investment property. Um, so I do have an interesting story for this one. So um, I had finished a set of seven night shifts um, in working in intensive care at the time. And then, you know, I hopped up, hopped on a plane to Brisbane and then in this weekend, I just inspected, you know, 10 to 15 properties kind of back to back. Um, yeah, had a rental car just going around. Um, there was one property that that fit the criteria that I was after. Um, you know, this one I felt a bit more confident to do on my own as well and, and, and do my research. So there was one property that I that fit the criteria and then I put in an offer and yeah, it was accepted, which was very exciting. Um, this was just before the 2019 federal election where there was lots of market uncertainty, you know, people, you know, holding off decisions, you know, waiting for this event, but I pulled the trigger anyway. So yeah, soon after election, the Brisbane market you know, started taking off and then I bought that one for 625000 and um, today be between 1 to 1.1 million. Between this and his first property now valued at 900000 he's made some excellent returns in a short period of time and is ready to keep rolling. Yeah, so got the two investment properties and um, yeah, looking back, you know, with the second property which I purchased myself and actually did better than the buyer's agent with the first one but overall, um, s- still happy with the, the the market I guess and also, as I said, I avoided um, some of my colleagues, you know, um, unfortunately bought like the really wrong asset class or and gone backwards and, and um, I guess I'm thankful that um, I've, I've, I've done okay so far and, you know, keep learning and keep pressing forward, yeah. 
Lamb's second property was easier for him to acquire than the first, a phenomenon many investors are familiar with. The first property is typically the most challenging to get in the first place, with the second simply falling into place. For Lamp, however, it wasn't quite as straightforward. In that 2019, um, lending was, was very, very tight and I think at the time, I can't remember exact reasons but talking to my broker I, I, and then with a good savings rate, I actually ended up tipping in cash for the second property. Um, but yeah, moving forward, you know, I guess got some healthy equity now and can I'll have a chat with my broker to explore um, yeah, moving forward. Um, yeah, I guess going back to that um, uh, property lessons, I guess one lesson I learned was that it's very important to do the research and the due diligence, but then equally it's also important to take action. Um, you know, and, and I guess another one was that, um, you know, land value is important. You know, the second property I bought was on a on a, on a, a bigger and, and nicer um, piece of land, yeah. He credits his stellar saving skills partly to the way he grew up and partly to who he is today. Growing up in a not particularly well-off household, I guess, I you know, savings habits were instilled in me. Um, but yeah, once I did... Um, start working as a junior doctor uh, I guess to be honest there wasn't much time to take holidays anyway and you can't really choose when to take annual leave it's kind of dictated to you by hospital management um, but I did um, I did you know go on some small you know road trips and um, I think in 2018 did go to New Zealand as well and then you know hopefully um, soon you can you know kind of with COVID settling, you know, maybe do some more trips as well, yeah. When it comes to his worst investing moments, he's faced a challenge or two that many other healthcare professionals know well. Without going to specifics, I have had a few close calls in regards to almost buying the wrong type of property. You know, some so-called advisors recommend some, you know, off-the-plan properties, which, you know, turned out to be really poor performing assets Later, you know, later I found out that they stood to gain, you know, anywhere up to $50,000 commission, um, you know, which they don't disclose to you. Um, so I felt really quite low and, you know, quite taken advantage of, you know, as doctors and, and busy healthcare professionals, you know, can be seen as easy targets, I think. Um, you know, um, some sometimes talking to my friends or colleagues, you know, they're just told to outsource your decision making regarding investments only realizing afterwards that you know these spruikers um you know they could even be your financial planner or accountant or mortgage broker that you know they didn't have your best interests at heart you know and and um i've seen some colleagues unfortunately buy the wrong property and be burnt you know ending up with negative equity so basically the property going backwards in our market, it can be difficult to know who to trust and delegating decisions isn't always the best way forward. However, outsourcing has its time and place. Yeah, so I think it's still good to kind of outsource certain things like I'm not going to manage my own properties but I think, yeah, as you said, you know, you can't outsource the, the overall decision making or the strategy, you know, that you have to do yourself. Um, and then, yeah, in terms of opportunity costs, I guess, um, yeah, I guess my personal, I guess worst investing moment would be the missed opportunity costs. You know, property's not a very liquid asset where you can get in and out due to the high transaction costs. So buying that wrong property can be very costly. 
So I guess, yeah, my first property still has gone up, but, um, you know, looking back, could have done better if, you know, bought a, um, a, a larger block of land, yeah. So can I just explore that a little bit further? Um, you know, looking in hindsight, that property seems to have done really well, you know, on, on the back of it. What were some of the things besides the block of land that you could have done differently, do you think? It wasn't particularly disastrous, my first property, but at the time, I guess I could have bought an existing house on a, an, an older house, I guess, on a, on a larger block of land for the same budget, um, which would have probably got slightly less rent. So I guess it depends on your personal strategy. But for, for me, if I went back in time, I probably would have bought um, an existing older house on a larger block of land. Yeah. Strategy-wise, since we're sort of touching on this topic, what, what is your strategy at this point in time? Early on in my career and investing career, my goal at the moment is to build up an asset base. Um, so that's why going for high capital growth properties um, to be able to leverage that equity into purchasing more is the goal. Um, and I guess still reasonable cash flow, you know, especially with, you know, interest rates going up. But I think, you know, it's rather than just listening to the negative media headlines, you know, to try and step back to actually crunch the numbers, like what does it mean? Can can I still service the loans? Um, and, you know, what is the overall fundamentals about the particular property market you're buying in? And also not just the whole economy, I think, it's also your personal economy. You know, like can is it the right time for you? You know, it, it might be um, before children or before huge expenses or your own home but then you, you still want to be in the in the still increasing your personal investments and and financial freedom goals and i guess the bigger picture for me i guess i don't have a particular number in mind but um i guess once I have an asset base and then maybe potentially later um uh, look into more cash flow assets whether it be um shares or index funds or commercial property maybe um, or even some alternative um, property investments but at the moment I guess is to try and build up that asset base and to keep learning as well. Lamp wants to be able to choose to work as he's passionate about what he does. While he wants to continue that, his goal is to have the choice of freedom and to help others realize they can do the same. That is kind of the reason why I've started a podcast, Passive Income Doctor, um, is to try and increase the f financial literacy of um, doctors and healthcare professionals because we're not taught this in medical school, university. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, I see so many doctors, yeah, earning good incomes, um, but then working, you know, 80, 100 hour weeks, barely seeing their families. Um, uh, a lot of the time, a little bit frustrated from their work. You know, I can see that they're still passionate about the work, but I think if you just work out so much, you might be at risk of burnout, which is not good for yourself and then also not good for your families and also not good for your patients as well. So I think if a doctor is able to have that financial freedom and not have to worry about that side of things and they might be able to leave a particularly um, bad or stressful job or role, maybe even go part-time or or, or take that leap of faith and maybe go into another area or role or hospital environment where it's a bit better for lifestyle. So I think it would be better overall for everyone. 
His learning lessons have also been positive even if they were accompanied by anxiety and skepticism. So I guess my personal aha moment would be um, that second investment property where I did my own research and due diligence and took the action, you know, flying up after a set of seven night shifts and and um, going around doing the hard work, you know, lots of uncertainty, you know, everyone saying, oh, is it the right time to buy? Um, which, you know, these these... If you've been in the market long enough, you, you know, these, it, it comes in cycles, you know, the sentiment comes, sentiment come, goes. So at the time, even though market sentiment was very low and lots of uncertainty, you know, I still took the action, put the trigger and I guess, you know, that's paid off, you know, going up, you know, 400k or so in, you know, about three years. So, yeah. Although he bought his second property without the help of a buyer's agent, he's not writing them off for himself or others. So I guess in my case, you know, I, I did better by myself than with the buyer's agent. But I, I, I think I'm still open to the idea. And I think if you have the time and, and passion and effort to do it yourself and, you know, use all the resources, definitely I think I think you can do it yourself. But for some people who may be very time poor or not, not have the the fortitude or the effort to do it themselves, then having a good buyer's agent, I think would be worth it as well. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I'm just curious, when you went up to Brisbane and you did all that looking around in the day, did you ever have a thought in your mind going, once if I don't find the deal that day, what would you do next? I, I guess at the time, there was lots of property and also I did research before going up as well. So, I could already kind of have a gauge on the market I was looking at, um, you know, what good value was, you know, rental yields um, and talking to some agents as well. So, I already had put in the legwork. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't just that kind of one or two days as well. But I guess in hindsight, if, if I didn't see a deal that, that stacked up, I probably would have revisited at another time. And are you planning to still continue to invest into the Queensland market? Um, for your next few properties or are you looking at considering other markets as well? Um, I think moving forward, um, I'm interested in the Perth market and also I think even Sydney, I think um, a bit contrarian but I think Sydney starting to look a little bit interesting as well. So, um, I, I think you know, two investment properties, reasonable value in Brisbane, I'm happy with at the moment and, um, and um, yeah, I'll explore some other markets. Lamp uses many forms of mentorship ranging from rich dad, poor dad paperbacks through to more technological sources. Yeah, so I wouldn't say there's one particular mentor but definitely using the online forums um, and also meeting people, other fellow investors at some property meetups as well and also putting together a team, um, a good mortgage broker, accountant um, and talking to many of them has helped me become a better investor. Um, and in terms of challenges in regards to investing property, I guess like lots of other investors in recent times, one big challenge is the tightening of lending and, 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 and finance. Um, so, yeah, I guess I love talking to other property investors and, and learning from you know, anyone and everyone. Finding trusted advisors is never easy as Lamp found out firsthand. Personally, I found it very, very difficult and overwhelming. You know, you know, lots of people will say they're good and then it's only in hindsight where you, whether you know they're good or not. Um, and also at the time, at, 
being you know 23 years old, I didn't have that many people in my peer group that were active property investors, which made it a bit more challenging. So some of them I did have to kind of take a leap of faith after doing my due diligence. Um, but nowadays, I guess um, I, I do hang around with some other property investors, both doctors and non-doctors, who you know if they give me a good recommendation, you know that holds much more weight. Um, and yeah, that's that's I guess partly also why I've started a podcast and also um, doing some regular meetups as well for doctors, so that we can get together and try and share our experiences with the people we've used. Uh, I guess I'm curious, what what do you think has been the best advice that you've received? So I guess best piece of advice, one that comes to mind is you know spend less than you earn. You know, lots of doctors. That I've come across are earning heaps and heaps of money, but they also have very big expenses too. You know the idea of lifestyle creep. You know they're you know upgrading to the you know the nice or the newest car every year, multiple overseas holidays, private school fees for multiple kids. You know buying that expensive trophy home. You know thirty thousand dollars a month mortgage repayments. Um, you know, and that, I think that was even pre the most <laughs> latest interest rate increases. So, if you have so much expenses, you know, you might not have that much left over to invest. You know, and there's a perception in the public that you know doctors are very wealthy, and and also there's some societal pressure, I guess, to appear wealthy, um, not just for doctors, but you know, certain professions as well. Um, I, I guess in context is you know if you're doing medical school. After an undergraduate degree, you know, often you might be starting with a hundred thousand dollars in debt, and then you know, first year salary, base salaries, you know, about sixty thousand. Um, so I guess spend less than you earn is, is 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 one piece of advice that I think is very useful and often talked about, but definitely useful. I, I guess what I would add to that is that you know, not just the savings, but then with the savings you have, you need to invest it. You know, otherwise, inflation will just eat away the cash in the bank. Um, you know, a lot of my colleagues or and some junior, junior, more junior colleagues, you know, want to wait until they finish specialty training before they invest. Um, but you know, that could take you know five to ten years, and you know, property can go up enormously during that time. And then, secondly, um, another great piece of advice is um, you know, just take action. You know, definitely you need to research and do your due diligence, but you need to take action. But if you met yourself, say, 10 years ago, what do you think you would have said to him? I would have said start investing earlier and know the power of compound growth. Um, I guess looking back, you know, obviously it's pretty challenging, you know, being a uni student to try and purchase property. But I guess, you know, perhaps I would have looked at, you know, if I was able to have a part-time job or potentially joint venturing or something like that. Um, yeah, so I guess start investing earlier. Um, and I guess second one thing is, you know, take care of your financial health. You know, nobody cares about your finances as much as you do. You know, of course, you should draw on the expertise of others who have done, you know, what you want to achieve and also, you know, have, have trusted advisors and build a team around you. Um, but definitely yourself, you need to take an interest in your um, finances. Looking forward to the future, what do you think, what, do you, what are you most excited about, say, your property journey in the next, say, five years? In Investing-wise, I'm, I'm excited to grow my portfolio. 
Um, I currently see good value in Perth and, and I think um, Sydney did go through a big boom and then a bit of a recent correction, but I think Sydney is starting to look interesting also. Um, and other than investing, you know, I'm hoping to spread the word about how doctors can avoid bad property mistakes and, and to, you know, take an interest and take care of their finances. You know, the difference from getting the first property wrong to having a great asset selection is huge. You know, um, if you can have your first property perform, you can, yeah, compound into your second and third and so on. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to organize more meetups and, and to grow my podcast as well. So, Daniel, I think you've achieved such a great amount of things and success in your journey at this point in time. How much of it do you think has been due to your skill, intelligence and hard work and how much of it do you think has been due to luck? Throughout my life, I've always been working hard, you know, to, to grow my skills, you know, um, not afraid to, to work these 60 to 80 hour weeks, but then also, you know, other things that I've done is, you know, educating myself and investing when others were telling me, you know, oh, you know it's not the right time. Um, I would say that the harder you work and the more action you take, yeah, the more luck you attract. Thank you to Daniel Lamp, our guest on this episode of Property Investory.